Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Amen. Acts chapter 8, we're going to read in verse 4, and we're going to just bear with me. We're going to read a few verses. Um, If you don't have your Bibles or if you don't have a Bible app, we're going to have it up on the screen as well. Um, Acts chapter 8, verses 4, and we're going to read through verse 8, and then we're going to jump to verse 26. Everyone have it? Amen. The Word of God says, Those who had been scattered preached the Word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed, who, who were lame, were healed. So, there was great joy. Everyone say great joy. Oh, come on. Everyone say great joy. So, there was great joy in that city. We're going to jump to verse 26, the same chapter. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting on his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passive of Scripture and told him the good news. Everyone say the good news. The good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized let's pray father i thank you for your word i thank you god because you speak to us and i thank you lord because i know that today will not be the exception you will speak into our lives we are excited to receive your word we're excited to hear your voice in our lives and i thank you god because we're gathered today with one heart one accord to receive today and i ask you god that that you would open my heart you would open my mind to receive what you have for me And I ask you, God, that my brothers and my sisters, they would open their hearts 
and their minds to also receive your word today. Thank you once again for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Amen. So nothing can, can make you pay attention like a loud noise. If we're sitting here and then all of a sudden we hear a loud noise, we're all going to turn our heads to see what the loud noise was. I remember one occasion we were at home, and, and this is when we lived in Roy City, and uh, my wife and I, we were downstairs. This is about six, seven years ago. And I remember we're downstairs, we're enjoying the evening. Uh, I would like to say that maybe we were praying or reading the Bible, but most likely we were watching TV. And um, so we were just enjoying the evening, and we were uh, having a good time there, when all of a sudden we hear a loud noise from upstairs. And I, I tell you, nothing makes you get up, nothing makes you move quite as fast as a loud noise in your house that was unexpected. And I, as soon as I hear the loud noise, I, I stand up to my feet and I start running upstairs. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth, Andrew, are you okay? Because if something's going to happen to someone at our house, it's going to be to Andrew. And I'm like, Andrew, are you okay? And I'm running up and, and all I hear is a little cry. And again, Andrew, this is about six or seven years ago, so he must have been at least seven or eight years old. But I get into his room, and all of a sudden I see my son on the ground with a dresser on top of him. My son had the great idea of, of climbing the cabinets as if they were stairs to get on top of the dresser. Yeah, and in that moment it was frightening. I was like... I'm picking up the dresser, are you okay? And he was fine. Uh, and now we kind of look back and kind of think of how kind of funny it was. But thank God, you know, we, we're very lucky to make it to our age. So, we do so many things uh, to ourselves. But, but he was okay. He was all right. But, I, I, but what I'm trying to tell you is that nothing makes you move. Nothing makes you pay attention quite like a loud noise around us. And the truth is that the things that are the loudest in our lives, the things that make the most noise in our lives, that's what we're going to give our attention to. If, if something is just demanding our attention, if something is just crying out to us, maybe there's some tension in our marriage. Uh, maybe we're having some difficulty in our finances. Maybe the business that we started is not going as well as we thought it was going to go. Or, or maybe there's some problems at work uh, with some of our coworkers. And sometimes those things become the loudest things in our life. And we give and we devote all of our attention. We devote all of our resources. We devote everything we have to that one thing. Maybe it's our children, something just going on with our children. They're, they're misbehaving and they're going through a phase, they're going through a stage, and it's just really hard to not pay attention to that. Or maybe, maybe the doctor gave you some bad news and, and, and this is what grabs your attention, that which is the loudest in your life. But here's the problem with this. When we pay, when we pay attention to the loudest things in our lives, we got to understand that when God speaks to us, God will often speak to us in a whisper. And if we're paying attention to what's loudest in our lives, we will have a very difficult time in hearing the voice of God. 
in hearing the word of God in our lives. And many times we get to a point where we believe that God is just silent or God does not speak to us or that God is not present or that God is, is just not available to us. But when in reality, if you and I can understand this church, is that God still speaks to you, God still speaks to me, but oftentimes he speaks in a whisper. The author or pastor, Mark Batterson, he wrote a book called Whisper, and he wrote this. Uh, this was in his book. He said, God often speaks loudest when we're quietest. But it's so hard to be quiet at times. It's hard when our finances are struggling. It's hard when the bills are due and you and I, we just we don't know how to make ends meet. It's hard to, to, to be quiet when our marriage feels like it's falling apart. It's hard when our relationships are in shambles. It's hard to, to, to keep quiet when there's so much tension and so much difficulty and so many storms and trials in our lives. But the truth remains, God speaks to us. In whispers. The psalmist says, uh, in a prophetic word, God was speaking, and he says, I believe it's Psalm 34 or Psalm 36, uh, but he says, be still and know that I am God. But we don't like to stay still. If something's wrong, I got I to gotta pay attention to it. I got to break it. What do they say? I got to fix it. What do they say? That the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I, I have to attend to it. I have to, I have to, I have to do something about it. And we tend to focus on the things that are loudest in our lives. And we don't stop for one second to see or to seek or to hear what God would have us do in that moment. See, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, that his sheep hear his voice. And I wonder how many of us here today can honestly say, I've heard from God in the middle of my trial. God is faithful. God is, is faithful to his word. He will provide. He will provide a way out for you and for me. But many times I believe that we can avoid a lot of heartache in our lives if we would just stay still and truly seek God's direction in our life. And if we would just be like that sheep that knows his master's voice, that knows his pastor's voice and say, Lord, what are you telling me? I, I know you speak in whispers. I'm going to quiet things down. I'm going to get up early because my kids just don't, they don't stop running. I, I'm going to set myself aside for a moment and I'm going to seek you in this moment because I need to hear you. I need to move my focus. I need to move my focus from the problem to you. And we struggle with this. Now, for the most part, when we think of loud things, we usually think of, of things that are bad or things that are negative, right? We're sitting here and we hear something really loud. What are we going to think? Something bad just happened. Maybe there's a car crash. Maybe a door fell or maybe a kid knocked something over. Maybe something bad happened. And for the most part, this is true. When there's loud noises, it's not usually something normal. It's something that's going on that you need to pay attention to. But today I kind of want to take it a little different way in that 
many times in our lives, there is blessings or there are things in our lives that are really loud that cause us to not hear the voice of God. And this thing that we get that is a blessing, it can be applauded. You can be, you can be uh, brought to the front like we, they were brought today, these young people, and you applaud them. You get applauded. Man, you're doing a great job, and you're doing this, and you're doing that. And, and what I want to tell you today is that sometimes, look, we live in the city of Frisco, or we all live in surrounding cities. We're not wanting for much. God has blessed us. Whether or not you attribute the blessing to God or whether or not you really uh, sit down and you're grateful to God, God has blessed you. God has blessed you. And many times our very own success drowns out the voice of God in our lives. Things are going well. Things are, are looking up. Business is picking up. I got a promotion. I got a new job. I, I was able to finally uh, obtain that degree that I've been working so hard for. I was finally able to, 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 to reach that height that I had never reached. And our success oftentimes makes us or puts us in a position where we, are, we can't hear God's voice. As we were seeking him or as we were seeking that success, yes, we would bend our knees and we would seek him and we would search for him. God, please bless my efforts. God, please bless my new business. God, please, please give me that promotion. God, please give me a pay raise. God, please give me a new boss. God, please whatever. And when that success finally reaches your hands, you get so engrossed in that success and you maintain it and you want to keep it up. That we get to a point where that is the loudest thing in our lives. It can be any success in your life, not just financially, not just in your career, not just in your education. But, but you, 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 you come to a point in your life where success becomes your greatest pursuit. Praise the Lord, someone. I, you, don't, you don't have to say amen to it, but it's true. The success that we're chasing after. The success that we want in our lives becomes the greatest pursuit. The greatest, we, 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 we put all of our resources into it. We, we give all our time to it. We work 40 hours a week and we want to get some overtime. We want to be able to make some more money so we can put more in savings. And all these things are good. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. It's good to work. It's good to have savings. It's good to look to the, to the future. It's good to, to aspire to success, but not at the cost of cutting out God's voice in your life. That moment in which you experience a bit of breakthrough in your life, that moment in which you experience or taste a little bit of success in your life, that moment that you feel like you've arrived, that moment in which there is something positive that's going forward, if we're not careful, that will drown out the voice of God in our lives. And we need to hear from God because God is the one that gives you and me direction. The voice of God should be the only voice that gives us direction. 
A couple weeks ago, we were having our Spanish service, and I spoke about the voices that are in our lives. Who do you allow to speak into your life? What conversations are you having? What conversations are you listening to? And if you and I are not careful, our success can keep us from what God has next for our lives. Because we get entrenched in the now. We, we, this costs me too much. I can't let go of this. This has cost me a lot of work. And success can be loud. Success can be loud. In this scripture that we read, we, we were introduced to this man by the name of Philip. We read in verse 4 that they've been scattered. You got to understand, this is the initial uh, this is the origin or this is the beginning of the early church. This is where church began to gather. This is where you first started hearing the word church in history. And the church is under intense pressure. The church is being persecuted. The church is being pursued, not for good things, but because there are people trying to destroy the church. And the Bible says that they were scattered. But here's the amazing thing about the church, that even though they were scattered, they continue to preach the word of God. They continue to preach Jesus. And this man, Philip, found himself in the city or in the nation of Samaria. And he preached in Samaria and the different cities. And we just read that, that God used him greatly. He would pray for people and spirits would leave. People that were lame would be healed. There was great success in his ministry. I mean, church was hopping. People were coming on Sundays. People were showing up. People were giving. People were excited. And the word of God says there was great joy in the city. Philip had a successful ministry. Philip had a successful church that he started. Now, Philip is an interesting story. He, he was one of the seven that were chosen in Acts chapter 6 to be waiters. Praise God. God uses waiters too. Don't ever despise your waiter even if they bring you cold fries. Because God can use them. But the Bible says that the apostles, they were, they were so overwhelmed by so much work. Certain things were getting overlooked. Certain things weren't being reached. And they said, no, 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 we need to pick some helpers. We, it's not right that we are, 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 are misusing these opportunities that we have. Or it's not right that we're not serving the way we need to serve. Because we need to also wait on tables. We need to pick seven people that can wait on the tables, that can take care of the widows, that can take care of the things that we're not able to do or able to reach. And they had two requirements for these seven people. They had to be filled with the Spirit, and they needed to be wise. How were they picked? I believe they just found men that were being faithful in the position that they were already in. And sometimes we are in our position we go to work and we complain every all day long sometimes we we we, we come to church and and we complain because we don't like the three o'clock service 
Or, or sometimes we, we get home and we complain because our spouse didn't do the things that we wanted them to do. The honey-do list wasn't taken care of. Dinner wasn't ready. Something wasn't done right. And there's always a complaint. And I believe that the reason that these seven men were chosen was because they were being faithful. Even if the circumstance wasn't good, even if the situation was difficult, they were being faithful where they found themselves. And I wonder how many of us are being faithful where we are right now. Because God wants to use you, God wants to use me, but we got to be faithful where we're standing right now. Because someone is watching. Whether you believe it or not, someone is paying attention. That coworker that's ready to throw you under the bus, they're paying attention. Us parents, our children, they're paying attention. Well, dad says that we should go to church, but we miss church every other week. My dad and my mom said church is important, but every time we pick up our tithes and our offerings, I never see them go up. Uh, they say this, and they, but someone is watching church. Someone is looking. Someone's paying attention. Are you being faithful where you find yourself right now? Sometimes we want to get picked for greater things. But we can't even be faithful in the smaller things. Are you being faithful at work? Are you being faithful at home? Are you being faithful in your marriage? Are you being faithful to your children? Are you being faithful in your responsibilities? I guarantee you someone is watching. And if it's not a human eye, God's eye is watching you. Are you being faithful? And see, these men, they were picked to wait on tables, and it seems like a trivial job. You go to church, you go to work, and you show up every day, you punch in, you clock out, you clock in, and you do what you're supposed to do, and all of a sudden they come up to you and say, hey, I need you to help me today because I need you to wait on some tables. What is your attitude? How do you react when people ask you to do something that you may believe is beneath you? Now, in the spiritual realm, in the, in, in the church realm where we live, and in the, in the realm that we want to be able to be a, a blessing to others, we're talking about being a servant to others, we got to understand that the greatest opportunity to be used by God is when we are find when we find ourselves in the midst of people, not when we're separated from people. So if you want to be used by God, and if you want a greater opportunity for your life, you have to be willing to get down into those areas that other people are not willing to get into. That means if you got to wait on some tables, come on church, let's put on our, our aprons and let's start waiting on some tables. If that means, you know what, I got to clean some restrooms at work, even though that's not my job description, I got to go do it because at the end of the day, this is going to give me the greatest opportunity to be a blessing to someone not when we find ourselves aloof or apart or, or in our corner desk corner office where we have no interaction with others Philip was right in the middle of the success he'd been picked 
He said, yeah, I'll wait on tables. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for seeing what I'm doing. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this awesome, awesome opportunity that I've been given to wait on some tables. And, G and Jesus moves Philip from place to place. And as he scatters, he finds himself in Samaria. And he's preaching. And God is giving him great success in his ministry. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his ministry... We read in verse 26 that an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I believe that the reason why success can be so detrimental if we're not very careful is because when God wants to make a shift in our lives, and we are so enamored by the idea or by the success we're having. We are not going to be willing to hear when God says, hey, I need you to get up. Leave that what you think is a success because I have a new assignment for you. And you know what? I need you to go south on the road and I need you to go down the desert road. But Jesus, don't you see how many people are showing up on Sundays? You don't see how many people are showing up because of the ministry that you gave me? Do you not see, Jesus, how people are being blessed and you want me to leave the city? You want me to leave this place so I can go into a desert road where I just don't see what the point is? I just don't see what is there for me? I don't see what you want me to do? Many, many, many times, oftentimes... God will speak to us, and we find ourselves in the middle of some success, whether it be great or whether it be just a, a, a modest amount of success, and God will tell us, you know what? That time is over. I need you to do something new. And we're like, whoa, I don't know about that, Jesus. No, no, no I'm going to concentrate on the success that, you, that I already have. I mean, I know you gave it to me. I, I, I know that it was a blessing from you, but I, I just can't trust the desert road that you're sending me to because I don't see what's at the end of it. I don't see what you have for me. I don't see what you have for my family. I don't see what you have for my future. God tells Philip, I know you're busy. I know you're in the middle of planting a church, but I need you to get up, leave that because I have a new assignment for your life. And oftentimes, church, we want God's will for our life to fit within the comfort of our own lives. Because you and I, if you're like me, I make plans for my life. I gave these young people some advice to write some long-term goals down. I write long-term goals down. I write short-term goals. I have, I have plans. I know you have plans. I hear it when I speak to you. I hear it when we spend time talking. And it's awesome just to see how God has blessed each one of us. But really, really, when you and I come down to it and if we say we're followers of Christ and that we love God with all our hearts, are we truly who we say we are? And when Jesus says, you know what, I've blessed you here. This is going well. But I need you to leave that because I have a new direction for your life. Are we so, so deafened by our success that we're not willing to hear God's voice in our lives? 
God's calling upon your life does not revolve around your comfort level, church. It doesn't. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are as far from the earth, so are my thoughts from your thoughts and my ways from your ways. And we often think, God, I need you to fit into my plans. I have a retirement goal. I have a desire to this, for this business. And I have a desire. And oftentimes we're like, Lord Jesus, I need you to fit into here. But God tells us, no, no, no. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Jesus says, if you're not willing, you can stay with that success that you had, but I will find someone else to give this new blessing to. I would say to you that it is possible that God is not in your plans. Why? If your plans, or there are moments in your plans that there isn't a discomfort because God is asking you to do something, then I would wonder and I would question, is God really in my plans? Because every time we read the Bible, if you read your Bible, God is always asking someone to move. God is always putting people in different positions that are uncomfortable. And yes, they may be uncomfortable, but we see the end result being something great. We see the end result being something that God blesses, something that brings a new life to that person. In fact, did you know that the one, the, well, not the one time, there's a couple times, but that one of the times when Jesus called somebody by a different name that wasn't theirs, it was because of the same thing. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, I am the Messiah. I am the long-awaited Savior. I am the long-awaited uh, uh, Savior of this world. And things are looking up and the disciples are excited and they're applauding and they're planning for the future. And all of a sudden, Jesus puts a stop to everything and he says, But when I go to Jerusalem, I will suffer great things at the hands of the priests and the elders and I will die. But on the third day, I will rise again. And Peter says, Jesus, he takes him to the side. Come on, Jesus. You can't be saying stuff like that. That's, that's not what we had in our plans. We were already making plans for what the, what the, uh, what the embassy was going to look like. We were already making plans for what our offices were going to look like. I was already making some plans for vacation because I knew we were going to get a bonus. Jesus, you can't be talking about dying. What do you mean you're going to die? Jesus looks at Peter, looks at his disciples, looks at Peter and says, Satan, get thee behind me. For your only concerns are human concerns, not the concerns of God. And I wonder, not that Satan, or not that Peter was Satan, but that Peter had allowed Satan... Peter had allowed the enemy to get a hold of his life. 
where he wasn't giving room for God's voice to speak. He wasn't giving room for God's plans for his life to manifest. And I wonder how many times in our lives does Jesus look at us and says, Son, I've got so much for you. I've got such a big, great plan for your life, for your children, for your finances, for this business that it's just a dream in your heart and you think you can never do it. And I've got so much for you, but you got to let go of those plans that you're hanging on to and you got to hear my voice. That success is a season of life. That success was my blessing to you, but you got to know when to let it go and move to the next season of your life. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. When we think about only our human concerns, we're falling into the enemy's hands, church. No matter the noise in your life, no matter the noise in my life, whether it's the noise of success or if it's the noise of trials and tribulations, ultimately we got to know who our trust is in. We got to know who our provider is. We got to know when we find ourselves by ourselves, when we find ourselves lonely, who will always be by our side. When we feel like no one loves us, who is the one that gave his life for you and for me? Who gave his life for love? So real quickly, real quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. You got to listen for the right things. We have to learn how to listen to the right things in our lives. Because when all that noise, we live in a noisy world, church. You go to work and it gets noisy. There's so much tension. We, we, we go to, to, to our family gatherings, and there's some noise there too. Praise God for our families. We gather with our friends, and there's nothing but competition and comparison. What did I do? What did you do? Well, what I did was better. What you did, oh, I wish I could do that someday. And there is so much noise in our lives that we have to learn how to listen to the right things. And Philip was told, leave your ministry. I have a new assignment for your life. Philip didn't question it. The Bible says that he got up. And on his way, he met a man. For me, this means that Philip was in tune with God. So how do we make sure to listen to God's voice? How many of you ever watched TV with the TV off? You got to have the receiver on. You got to have your heart turned on to Jesus. So my question is, what do you fill your life with? The Bible says that the eyes are the windows to our soul. What do you fill your life with? What do you set time aside for? Do you have an expectation of God to do something in your life? got to get into scripture you got to get into his word you got to get into prayer you got to seek godly counsel in your life and you can't be afraid to do something for god real quick 
Bible says that Philip was going down the road. He listened to God's voice, and he says that he met this man, and this man was on his way home sitting in a chariot, and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, you got to use your imagination, church. Think about what God is telling Philip. There's this man on his way home on a chariot. That means the chariot is moving. And the word of God says that the spirit of the Lord told him, you got to stay near the chariot. Okay. I start running because they're going home and I got to keep up. And God is telling me to keep running. I kind of look silly because I'm trying to keep up with the chariot. But God told me that I got to keep running. And and the word of God says that, that he got close to the chariot. And that when he got close to the chariot, maybe, I don't know, at this point, he was a little bit worried about what people might think. Because we worry. And people, they invited me to this thing, but my church, it starts right at 3 o'clock, and I got to tell them I'm going to church. And, uh, man, they they always say, 3 o'clock, that's a crazy time for church. I'm going to look a little silly because they're inviting me. But Philip was running. He said, I got to, God told me to stay close to the chariot. The Bible says that when he got close to the chariot, he overheard what the guy was reading. The guy, the man, the Ethiopian was reading the word of God. See, God many times tells us to do something and we just don't understand it. And we feel like, you know what, I'm going to look silly if I obey God's word because this is so successful. People are going to think, what are you doing? Why are you leaving that? You have such a beautiful home. You have such a beautiful world. You you have a great job. You have all these things and you're going to leave that for what? Because you say you heard the word of God and you you heard God speak. You're leaving it for a church. You're leaving it because you're going to serve. Because you're going to want to give money to others. I don't get it. But you're like, "God, God told me. I have to listen. I have to hear. And though it may seem strange when you're running... And people may look at you funny. And people may think things about you. They may even talk about you. And they may even say things about you. You got to keep obeying God's word in your life. See, it may seem strange at first. It may seem, it may seem weird at first. But when you get there, the revelation comes. I didn't tell her I was going to share this, but my wife... She always said, I don't want to work for a big school district. No, that's not for me. I don't ever want to teach fourth grade. She said, no, that's not for me. That's not what I want to do. I want my job to be really, really close to me. I want to get there in three or five minutes. That's what I want for my life. And one day God spoke to my wife and she said, I'm only opening the door for Louisville. That's the only place I'm giving you. But God, that's not where I want to go. That's where I'm sending you. But God, I don't want to teach fourth grade. That's what I'm going to give you. And I remember we would talk about this and like, uh, honey, I don't know if this is, God's, uh, this is God's will for our lives because everything that I wanted is not happening. 
But all I know is that all we can do is trust in God and that God has a plan for our lives. So, yeah, I look kind of silly running down the side of the chariot. And I look a little silly listening to what God is telling me. But I got to trust in my God. And when she finally relented and she said, Lord, you got my, you got your, my life in your hands. She got to fourth grade in a big school district that she found out that she loved the school district. She found out that she loved all of the fourth graders there. And not only that, God used her and brought three families to City Church. And as Philip said, you know what? There is water. Why don't we baptize you? I didn't understand why God wanted me to run by the chariot. But now I know there was a plan for your life. And I'm involved in your life. And I was the vessel that God used. And the Come on, church. I don't know if you're hearing me. But God will tell us to leave that success because I've got something greater for your life. And it's time for us to trust in God's word.